It is such an honor to gather with you here tonight to celebrate Christ, whether you're here on our Canandaigua campus, whether you're at our Hopewell campus or are part of our online campus. We're here to celebrate the Lord and his coming to bring us abundant and eternal life. Now, let's be honest together. When we look at the scheme of the world, when we look at all the things happening, it's easy to not really feel all that significant. Yes, I'm here to encourage you tonight. But the reality of it is this. Listen to the rest of the statement. But God loves us, and he counts each and every one of you as significant. How do I know? Because God came to us. Throughout this Christmas season, we've been looking at sort of famous Christmas carols in a series we're calling Christmas Playlist. And these well-known carols discuss the, the reason for the season, that Jesus came, and he came with a purpose. He came with a purpose to, to die for our sins and be resurrected for our salvation. The baby lying in a manger is the same as the, our Lord and Savior who hung on the cross and, and walked out of the grave alive and exalted. One such Christmas carol is the first Noel. The first Noel is an old Christmas carol. It, it dates as far back as the 1600s. Uh, we cannot even decide who wrote it, but it's interesting. France and England fight over who came up with it. They, they both say it's part of their heritage. And if you know anything about history, it doesn't surprise me that the French and the English are fighting over that. Now, what does Noel mean? We have no idea what it originally meant. We really don't. But it has come to mean a shout of joy or, or a Christmas song. It, it may have come from, and again, I say may have, come from a French word meaning news. It wasn't officially published, although it came out in the 1600s, and we know it was sung in people's homes and social gatherings. It wasn't published until 1823, but after its publishing, it became a popular part of, of Christmas Eve services, of the Christmas season within churches. The first Noel presents the Christmas account to a world that was mostly illiterate, and that's really important, that the song's purpose was so that people would know who couldn't read the scriptures, the beautiful happenings of that first Christmas. And I believe it was written so they would know that although they might not have felt significant by the world's standards, that they were loved by God and deemed significant by him. The message of the song is the joyous pronouncement that the Messiah has come, Jesus has been born. The first Noel begins with, mentioning an account recorded by Luke in his gospel, Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 8 through 14 together. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. First of all, isn't it always interesting when an angel appears, he says what? Fear not. And if they weren't afraid when the one angel came, can you imagine the angelic choir coming out of nowhere and just proclaiming the birth of Christ? But the angels give this first Noel. And these angels shout for joy, the good news that our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ, was, has been born. 
And who does he proclaim it to? To the angels. I mean, there's angels proclaim it to the shepherds. And who are these shepherds? Well, simply stated, they, they cared for sheep. And they're out keeping watch over them. And just think about it. Uh, they're keeping watch over them. And, and yet culturally, by the time of Christ, do you know how people looked at shepherds? No different than tax collectors or dung sweepers. Like they were on the lowest rung of the social ladder. We have no idea why, because their job was so important for food and for worship. But they weren't respected. In fact, a shepherd, if they were brought to court in order to give a testimony, they would say, don't even listen to what they say. They weren't trusted. Now, why? We don't know. They were discriminated against. But this we do know. God chose lowly shepherds to be the first to hear the announcement of Jesus' birth. Think about it. I believe God chose the shepherds who were deemed insignificant by their society because he wanted us to know that they were loved and deemed significant to him. We're told that these shepherds were keeping watch over their sheep, and, and I've had the privilege, uh, several years ago, I had the privilege of going to the shepherd fields to actually stand where this account took place. And, and, and as you stand in these fields, about five and a half miles away, I was there at dusk, you could see the, you could see the lights of Jerusalem, the city of, of, of the king. And, and so it must have been interesting that as the shepherds were, were standing there looking at the lights of Jerusalem, that the angel says, well, the baby's going to be born in Bethlehem. In fact, not even a half a mile away from those fields is the church of the nativity. And I've had the privilege of going there as well. The church of the nativity is believed to be the place where Jesus was actually born. It would have been a half a mile a walk for the shepherds to get to that place. It's, it's interesting to be there and to think about this place in Bethlehem. See, the world knows Bethlehem. Why? Because Jesus was born there. And you might know Bethlehem because you know who else was born there? King David. Do you know who else was born there? Well, to be honest with you, a lot of people were born in Bethlehem and still are being born in Bethlehem. But everyone who knows Jesus was born there knows a little bit about the city. See, Bethlehem is special because David was born there, and David is known as one of the greatest kings in, in Israel's history. Bethlehem is special because it was predicted 600 years before the birth of Christ that, that it would be the place, Micah said, that Jesus would be born. And Bethlehem's special because, yes, Jesus was born there. Think about it. This is a unique place in all the world where the miracle of God becoming man, where he placed upon his divinity, humanity, took place. Jesus being born in Bethlehem reminds us of God's great act of humility and love for us that he left the splendor of heaven and moved into our neighborhood. And how our God, great God, 600 years before his birth, foretold of this happening. But there's more. Bethlehem is special because it's really not all that special. I say, Craig, what are you talking about? Yes, David was born there hundreds of years before. But Bethlehem was small. It was considered insignificant. Yet God chose it to be a place for Jesus to be born. God chose it because it wasn't important. And what then is the point? You know, you and I are like Bethlehem. We may not feel all that significant in the scheme of things, but we're loved by God. We're deemed significant by him. Grasp this. God loves you and deems you as important. And you say, Craig, how do you know? Because he came. 
and he came to give us abundant eternal life through him. God came not because of anything we have done, but because of his love for us, because he's deemed us as important. Now we understand why the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for unto us is born this day in the city of David, the one who is Christ the Lord. But we now understand the first Christmas carol ever sung, sung by the angels. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The first Noel doesn't just mention the shepherds. It also mentions the wise men or the magi. Now, I know that modern scholars tell us that the magi probably weren't there the night that Christ was born, that they may have come later. That's not really the point. The point is that the magi did come, and that they came bringing gifts for Christ. Uh, the point is, is that they were, they were there, and Matthew gives us a, a glimpse into the scene of what occurred when the Magi arrived in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 10 and 11. When the Magi saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Who were the Magi? The Magi came from the tribe of the Medes. They, were, they served a, a priestly duty, if you will, in the Persian Empire. They were known as astrologers, and they interpreted dreams and, and gave messages from what they believed to be their gods. They were known as kingmakers because they would often arrive at a, at a king's birth and proclaim this, this recognition that he was king. Now, I want you to think about this tonight. Apparently, the Magi were non-Jewish religious astrologers who from astronomical observation and, and inferred the birth of a great Jewish king. They acquired of, of this king in, Beth, in, in Jerusalem, where they would have expected the king of, the, of, of Israel to be born and told, no, 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 the prophets say he's to be born in Bethlehem. And so they, they took that, that five-mile, five-and-a-half-mile walk to Christ and, and gave homage. So here's the thing, whether... whether we say they're from the east, the scripture says they're from the east, whether they're from Arabia or Babylon or anywhere else isn't the point. The point is that the Magi came, that they demonstrated this understanding that Jesus was to be king, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles alike. He's the savior of, of all people. Everyone in this room and everyone outside the walls of this building. He offers abundant and eternal life to everyone. The assumption that there were three magi comes because there were three gifts, and yet it's not the number of the magi that's really important, but the gifts they bring, brought were quite remarkable. They brought what? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold. Gold is associated with kings, and Jesus as the king of kings was certainly worthy to receive that gift. Frankincense is sometimes used in worship and probably spoke to the divinity of Christ. The fact that Jesus was indeed God, is indeed God. And then myrrh. Myrrh is a perfume that in that day was used often during burial services and is believed to have been a gift that foreshadowed that Jesus came for the purpose of suffering and dying for our sins. But here's the point. Here's the point. You might not feel significant, but the King of Kings came for you. Who is worthy of our worship came for you. He came with the purpose of dying on the cross for you and our resurrected, exalted Lord 
expresses his love for you and the fact that you're significant. You're so significant that God sent his one and only son for you to die that those who believe in him will have life. So when we sing the song, the first Noel, or it wish someone a joyful Noel, we follow the example of the angels. We follow their example announcing the good news that Jesus Christ has come, was born, not just for Israel, but for each and every one of us. We've been presented with a gift, this gift of abundant eternal life in Christ, but, and all we have to do is receive it. I love John's account in his gospel of the Christmas story in John chapter 1. It's, it's a unique account. It's quite poetic. And part of his account of the Christmas story, he writes this in John 1, 12, and 13. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John writes what? He says, those who receive him, and this image of receiving him is, is the first way that John in his gospel defines the word believe. Think about it. Those who receive Christ, who believe in him, are, are given this amazing, spectacular gift of life. It, it, if you don't see a gift, there's no way you can receive it. And, and if you don't believe the gift is for you, there's no way you would ever reach out your hand and, and take it. You say, what, what, what are we talking about? Well, believing in Jesus involves seeing him presented as God's son, accepting the description as real and for you. Only then can you reach out your hands and, and receive the gift of life that he offers us. And I say to you again, you may be sitting here tonight or on our Hopewell campus or on our online campus, and you may not feel all that significant. In fact, others might not think of you as significant. Maybe the world around you has said things that make you feel less insignificant. But I want you to know, as we celebrate Christ on this Christmas Eve service, that Jesus loves you, and he deems you significant, that God loves you so much and deems you so significant that he came, and he came with the purpose of dying for our sins and being resurrected for our salvation. See, the true message of Christmas is that eternal God came to earth, humbly taking upon his divinity humanity, being born of modest means in a stable, visited by shepherds and, and magi alike to die for our sins and be resurrected for our salvation. The gift of abundant eternal life is offered to each and every one of us who receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. The last stanza in the first Noel reads this way. Then let us with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven and earth of naught, and with his blood mankind hath bought. Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the king of Israel. I ask you tonight, won't you receive and celebrate the one whose birth was pronounced by angels and experience the gift of abundant and eternal life? If you've yet to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, won't you receive the one who says he loves you and deems you as significant? And brother and sister in Christ, whether you accepted the Lord weeks, months, years ago, what a great opportunity to once again embrace the one who is the light of the world, the light of our life, who loves us and deems us as significant. Would you pray with me tonight? 
Father God, thank you so much for, for not just saying you love us, but showing it, demonstrating it. By coming and taking upon your divinity, humanity, and being born in such humble means, and being born in a stable, visited by angels, and given precious gifts by magi. Yet you came with a purpose, and the purpose was to die for our sins and be resurrected for our salvation. For the story of Christmas can't be fully told without the story of Easter. We thank you that you are exalted, living Savior, who even now offers life to anyone who would receive you, even in the quietness of their heart at this moment. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for allowing me to have eternal, abundant life in you. And Lord, for each of us who have made that decision, we thank you so much for the greatest gift that anyone has ever given. You, Lord God, giving your son for us. Thank you that he has come. Thank you for what he has done. Thank you for the life we have in him. Thank you that he's promised to return again. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen.